Welcome to Nursing Uncharted, a space to explore the rawness, realness, and boundless possibilities of nursing. Each episode, I'm sitting down with nurses to share our experiences from the field and hope to bring you laughter and inspiration as you navigate this demanding yet fulfilling profession. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a guest. And let's get started with this episode. My name is Maggie, and welcome to Nursing Uncharted for our very first interview. We're going to kickstart this podcast by sitting down with a fellow nurse and friend, Sam Reddington. Sam graduated. I know. So a little bit about Sam. Sam graduated from Radford University with her BSN in 2014, and she's been a critical care nurse for seven years now. So for the and for the past year, Sam has predominantly been working in the COVID ICU. She's been an integral part of her ICU team. I watched her work. She is serving in leadership positions. She's committee head, charge nurse, and best of all, she serves as preceptor for new ICU nurses. So therefore, she's precepting me because I'm transitioning as a traveler into an ICU nurse. So currently, Sam lives in Virginia with her fiance and their dog, Sylvester. And also a congratulations are in order because Sam and her fiance are getting married in June after having to postpone their wedding twice because of COVID. I feel you there, girl. So welcome to the show, Sam. Yay. Thanks, Maggie. I'm so excited to be here. This is so crazy. I know. I'm I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you're here. Yeah. And I know. And you worked last night. So thank you so much for like transitioning over flipping schedules and beyond being on here yeah nurse nursing life right (laughs) yeah I know how was your shift it was it was busy where I was in um I was charged up in the COVID ICU again so okay it was busy but you know I can't complain it was a good night yeah people you know just kept it moving that's good that's yeah How many people are over there right now? It's like dwindling down, right? Yeah, our census has stayed under 10 to okay. 15 patients. Yeah. So it's kind of been up and down, but a lot better since wait, since like February. That was probably when we hit our highest peak and it's been about the same, but nothing crazy. So yeah. I can't complain. Well, that's good. I know, probably yeah. nothing like... It's like you probably have, I mean, I'm sure you have like a groove of like how how it goes now mm-hmm. in that space. Yeah. Um, I feel like everybody's, you kind of get into just a rhythm of things. And now this has become our new normal, which um, actually recently one of um, my other co-charges, we were talking about that. We're like, isn't it crazy when you think about where we were a year ago? Like, this is normal now. and. Yeah. You know, I remember last year, you know, walking into the unit as charge and being like, what am I doing here? How am I going to support my staff and make sure everybody feels like well taken care of for me and feel like they can provide safe care for their patients? And, you know, looking back at that, seeing the growth between myself, but also the growth within, you know, peers is pretty incredible. And I'm like very proud of the resiliency of my coworkers. It's pretty, 
Yeah. He's crazy. I can't imagine. I mean, as, as like charge nurse and I can't even, it's not, I don't want to like, it's, I'm not romanticizing it, but like to think of like, I don't know, when I think of like charge nurse in the COVID ICU, it's just like, there's so much responsibility there. Mm -hmm. There's so much like, I mean, just charge in general. Like I Mm -hmm. used to be charged, you know, like you oversee the entire unit and mm-hmm. you have nurses and you're putting out fires. Oh, and COVID like on, on top of it and having no policies and like they're, you yeah. know, just figuring everything out. Like I just can't, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. I, I don't know how we've done it. I, I think we, I think our location of the hospital, we've been pretty lucky in a sense mm-hmm. where like we're in a urban ish area, not mm-hmm you know, um, surrounded by country, but like we have the little mini city, like the micro city here. Yeah. So we never surged in the way that my, you know, colleagues that I used to work with in Boston did or yeah. New York city, but we did surge in our own sense, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, being the shift manager here and like also, um, being one of the practice chairs, like we did so much last year and now it's kind of nice seeing all of our hard work get, I don't know, reward, not rewarded. It's because it's not, a, it is not a reward. This has been such a challenging year. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing some of the like tip sheets and the little mini policy things that we were doing yeah. just for our unit go hospital wide. Like that's pretty cool yeah. to see like some of the things that you were implementing or had ideas now yeah. come full forward or that's not the word I'm yeah, looking for. Come but, full circle. Yeah. Know? I mean, which is pretty wild. Like, yeah, like you guys and the acute care side of, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys, at, you know, of COVID, like you, you had to figure out all of these policies on your own. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, people were coming up with like research projects on how to, you know, navigate all this stuff. It was kind of like on the fly, what's going to work, mm-hmm. what's, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's an insane amount of teamwork that has to go in. Mm-hmm. to all of that, you know. When I came back, I w- I came back as a traveler to this hospital and I worked at a different hospital in Florida for um like quarantine during COVID and the difference in policies were so, it, like so palpable. Like I mean, they like where we work now is like such a like it, it's amazing what like structure and organization and policy and teamwork and communication can do for a situation like this, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I think the one thing that this hospital does is like sees a problem, tries to fix a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to help with that. And that's, that's really cool. Um, and one of the, one of the nurses that works on the acute care side, um, he said, 2020 was a research project. Like that whole year, everything we did, it was a research project. Now we're just looking back to be like, okay, how can we, what have we learned? Yeah. And that's what um, my medical director has said yeah. for months now is, okay, well, what have we learned? What can we continue to improve upon to continue having good patient outcomes? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think our outcomes have been pretty exceptional nationwide um, I think that's a testament to, you know, the diligence of work that we've had within like our colleagues to provide good care for the patients and also 
we were pretty fortunate with our staffing. So yeah. um, as crazy it is, it's been, um, we were pretty lucky not having to be tripled and yeah, a shared ventilator. I was hearing horror stories from New York City. So, um, you know, that part of things was fortunate. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was thinking of that too. I mean, mm-hmm. I I never had, even as a traveler, I, I never had like, it was almost like the the worst like stress of covid was not having the supplies not knowing mm-hmm. what was going on you know like the patient acuity mm-hmm. but the staffing at both places i was able i never had more than four mm-hmm. covid patients you mm-hmm. know and it's like that in other places they weren't you know they're not so lucky i mean mm-hmm. there's a there was a ton of places that were yeah. You know, just hemorrhaging nurses and mm-hmm. um so yeah. You're pretty lucky. Pretty with wild. Yeah. I wanna talk a little bit about precepting because sure. you're my preceptor. <laughs> How do you like precepting? Like do you think that it's fulfilling? Is it like, you know, are there you know yeah. Tell me a little bit about like what I guess tell me a little bit about like what precepting entails you know, for the general population, but also how you like it. Sure. I like it. I've grown to like it. It's a, I think I actually find precepting to be harder to me than being a shift manager. Mm. Um, I, it requires so much patience and I've never been known for being sometimes the most patient person and I, and learning to kind of sit on your hands a little bit and backing away. And I think that comes that skill some people are born with that. Some people are born teachers in that sense. Um, I like to teach people, but having that patience and know with all to be able to be like, I'm going to teach you this. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to, ha- I'm going to trust that you can do that and mm. trust that you can ask me questions. Um, that's taken years for me to feel comfortable doing like so long. And I think um, within the past probably two to three years, I think I've really grown in my precepting skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I I find joy in it now. It's really cool to watch someone week one come in, like your yeah. week one last week. We had a busy week. You <laughs> oh know? my God, I know. Um, it was a busy couple of shifts. And I jumped right. I, I thought, you honestly, like, that first go. shift, I was like, oh, I'm <laughs> just going to relax. Like I'm gonna shadow Sam. Like no, not that's girl. Not how it happens. Let's go. We gotta go. <laughs> jumped right in with that. We jump right in. That's my. I feel like that's my. I don't know. That's who I am as a person. You don't. We are not gonna. Tri- we're not gonna kind of tiptoe into the ocean. We are going full force. We yeah. are diving into that wave. Yeah. Um. But that's critical care nursing, right? Like that's the beauty yeah. of it. Is you just gotta go for it. And I think you know that is what attracted me to this job is. Um, full force. I'm a bull in a china shop, man. You see me at work, <laughs> personal life, um, you know, wherever. I am like bull in a china shop. And sometimes it's my greatest, mean? you know, I've, asset. I've I'm just like, of- let's go. Don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, I don't care what's going on around me. Like I have, I'm a girl on a mission. We're going to yeah. go. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes it's like my best quality. It's sometimes yeah. my least, you know, best, the other least night, astribute. Oh my God. When we had that lady was mm-hmm. like, her heart rate was like 60s, 
20s and we saw we saw it and you're like that's real and we gotta go grab the go-kart like slammed it into the nurse station you like messed up your finger or something like (laughs) but you were in there like like a shot i was like oh my god like this is happening on night two like yeah yeah what is happening not the most most graceful of people (laughs) but um you know i think excuse me um just diving headfirst into anything, right? Um, I think yeah. that's what makes me a good ICU nurse is I'm not really afraid mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's not, you know, the most graceful of things. But um, I think also I bring that out in other people. And I've actually had mm-hmm. my fair share of very shy and very reserved orientees. Um, and when I first have met them, I've had actually, I think, three where they've just a little bit quieter, um, I talk a lot and they're just kind of listening to me. And by the end of their orientation, they're completely out of their shells, That's socializing awesome. and feeling confident and coming into work and like chatting with people. And I think that's a big, that's a big thing to be able to feel confident in. And yeah, if I can get anything out of besides being a good ICU nurse out of people is feeling confident in the skin that they're in and where yeah. they are professionally. It doesn't to. always work out, but um, I think that's one of my like better qualities as a preceptor is like, we're, we're going to be girls. We're boy, girl and boy, whatever. If that's, you know, we have a guy, uh, preceptor, which I preceptee, which I've, I've never had actually hmm. only had ladies. <laughs> um, girls go ahead. Got to get a merce every now and again <laughs> up in here. Yes. Um, but you know, I think when you think about like all these new nurses now coming into this job, it's intimidating. It's always been intimidating oh, being a nurse. Absolutely. It's so, but it's add COVID in and you're like, as a brand new baby nurse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't, yeah, I think about that with nursing students that were like mm-hmm. <laughs> seeing COVID unfold while they're in nursing school and they're like, all right, this is what I'm getting into. <laughs> do I still want to do this? Yeah. yeah I, I, can't, I, I can't imagine. I would have been so shell shock to try to do that. Yeah. But I applaud them in so many ways for their resiliency with this. We will be right back to this episode. We just want to take a brief moment to shout out the company that makes this show possible, American Mobile. If you're a nurse interested in traveling, visit AmericanMobile.com to explore the amazing benefits that American Mobile has to offer. Featuring short and long-term contract opportunities at leading facilities across the country with higher earning potential, W-2 employee status, and a flexible schedule, American Mobile is your advocate for career success. Visit AmericanMobile.com to begin your travel nursing adventure today. And now, back to the show. I I was a really shy nurse coming out, actually, as mm-hmm. like you know, seven years ago on orientation. Cause it's so, it's so, it's you don't, so you scary. know nothing. And you nothing. have this badge that says that, mm-hmm. you know, lots of things. <laughs> you just came out of anything. nursing school and like, yeah. there was just so, and like, I mean, that's, I think that's one of the craziest things about starting out as a nurse is, is you're 20 or 21 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you are just thrown into, and in the critical care setting, I can't even imagine but like you're thrown into yeah. these peep the worst days of people's lives and you so badly want to know how to say the right things and you know 
respond appropriately. And it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing what we end up learning how to do so quickly. You know, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's not surprising that so many people burn out, you know, yeah, so early on. Yeah. So, and I mean, I can't imagine, like, I mean, you and everybody does it, you know, I, like everybody, after you get your, you know, BSN college degree, you, everybody comes out that young, but, you know. Yeah. So. It's, it's crazy thinking about where we were seven years ago. We were brand new nurses right? together at the same, at the same hospital with meeting new friends, <laughs> which is cool, but yeah. I, I have patients. Are you old enough to be in here? Oh. And I'm like, oh, all the yes, time. I am. Yeah. Graduated nursing school. Are you sure you're my nurse? Yeah. Yeah. And yes, it definitely takes a sense of confidence to confidently say, like, you know, yes, yeah. I am I am fully equipped to whether or not you sometimes feel that in yourself, but you yeah. have to be able to say that to instill confidence in your patients. Yeah. To well, trust you. And I felt like, I mean, if you can show, like, I think, I mean, it, it definitely comes with, like, the more years you have mm-hmm. and the less, you know, imposter syndrome you have, right? But yes. but I still, like, I felt like I, I got by as a new nurse, like, just by showing the patients, mm-hmm. like, I do, I'm very competent in what we're doing, mm-hmm. probably more so than some other nurses because I'm learning all of this right now and it's yeah. all fresh in my head and I, I there's, like, such an there's such a pressure on myself to do well and to mm-hmm. be the best. And, you know, so I think when, when you show that as a new nurse, that kind of like curbs some of those comments, you know, mm-hmm. in the beginning. It's so, tough though to feel it's that. It's so tough. Yeah. It's so tough. I remember feeling burned out like in the first, you know, couple years. Mm-hmm. You know, like so much anxiety. I had so much anxiety about work. Yeah. And I did too. And I think I hit it well. And I think this year mm-hmm. also really like showed that I I think I was, you know, I I as a new grad within the first like three years, you feel that burnout, like you were saying, with like yeah. feeling all that stress. And then you kind of I think there's always like that three year hump. Right. Mm. That's what I, that's what I've experienced anyways, where you feel that burnout and then you can kind of get over that or people decide to go other ways in their nursing career. Um, And then you just kind of chug right along and then 2020 happens and COVID happens. And um, for me, I was definitely in very much denial about, um, my anxiety with work and with coming in and taking care of this unknown virus. Mm -hmm. And it really took a very open conversation at like 3 a.m. on night shift, which is, I feel like, where the best conversations with your coworkers happen. It is. It is. You you learn the most about your coworkers at, you know, 2, 3 a.m. And (laughs) one of my colleagues, we were all eating lunch and we're, you know, spaced out in our break room. And she's like, is everybody okay? Are we okay? And we're all like, I don't think so. And (laughs) I think it took that dialogue of people being like, it's okay to feel like you're struggling. I think we've experienced a lot of trauma this year um, in ways nobody ever, ever fathomed. But now that we've all admitted it and we are talking about it, 
like, hopefully that can help us heal. Yeah. That was six months ago. And I think I'm um, a different person than I was six months ago because I've really worked on myself and I've, you know, sought counseling to help with that. And I think for, you know, those listening out there, like it's, it's okay to feel that and it's okay, but know that there's other people feeling that, but always it's okay to seek help with that. And I think for me, I'm a very, no one's going to see me break down type of person. And I think to finally have that moment of clarity and recognize that it's okay. And then sharing that with Mm -hmm. some of the younger nurses that I think look, look up to me and look up to some of my other colleagues and I cried too in the shower. It's okay, but like we'll work. We'll get there together. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I feel because it's yeah. You do. I'm the same way. I mm-hmm. I cover everything because mm-hmm. you know, God forbid, anybody ever sees me, you know, upset mm-hmm. like for something at work or, mm-hmm. and but it's gonna come out at some mm-hmm. point. It mm-hmm. might come out when I get home, like mm-hmm. you know, projecting it on my husband, like yeah, you know. So it's. It is, it's those conversations are so important to just, mm-hmm. if you're frustrated, like that's okay. Yeah. The, I, that's why when you texted me about this podcast, I was like, yes, sign me up, whatever, whatever you need me to, you know, I'm down. This is great because I think, you know, it's, it's nice to talk about the fun and normal sides of nursing, but like it's real and it's, and it's challenging. And I think it's hard to explain it to other people. Oh, you know, yeah. how do you explain how do you explain that to someone who's been able to work from home for the past 12 months? And that's a whole other kind of stress that like I would lose my mind if I had to work from home. But <laughs> you can't it's hard to relate to that. And so I think mm-hmm. when you when you texted me saying that you had this really awesome opportunity to you know, have me on and I'm humbled to be here. Um, like this is, I think this is a really great conversation for people to hear. Yeah. Well, I went, I mean, I wanted to like you, when I was thinking of people to have on, you know, you were perfect to have on cause you have, you know, you lived in the thick of COVID, mm-hmm. you know, you were just constantly there as charge, you mm-hmm. know, working through it all. And you have had so much experience already in the same unit, you know, you'd been on the unit for almost, you know, your whole career. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I knew that you would have like a wealth of knowledge and like a really interesting perspective on this whole, you know, I feel like we're all, we're all kind of processing it. I feel like I'm pr- starting to process like what happened, everything mm-hmm. that happened last year, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, cause a lot of, a lot of times, yeah, you just, you just kind of dampen it all down so you mm-hmm. can't, so you can like keep going to work. So, yeah. so you can function and, you know, make it normal in your head that what we're seeing and what we're doing is normal. But, you know, it's, it wasn't at the time. It definitely still shouldn't be. Um, yeah. But I think we've adapted to make, things as smooth as we can, especially for our patients and their families. Like I never imagined when I became a nurse. I mean, I graduated from nursing school seven years ago yesterday. Congrats. Oh my my, God. Me too. Yeah, you do. (laughs) My mom sent, my mom sent, um, my family group chat, a picture of us from my pinning ceremony seven years ago. And I'm like, 
How? No way. <laughs> I was such happening? a different human now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was so young. <laughs> so young. Well, and I laughed because my brother is like nine years younger than me, eight and a half, and he looks like a baby. And we were like laughing about that. But yeah. also I was like reflecting on, you know, nursing and my career. And I would have never imagined like seven years ago that I would have to FaceTime family members yeah, to see them. And, you know, for people to go weeks and months without seeing their loved ones, like I can't, I can't imagine going through that as a loved one, but also to be on the like other side yeah. and taking care of that is yeah. challenging. I want to know your craziest COVID nursing story. Oh God. Oh, um, I think those first couple of months, man, all of that, you come into work and everyone's like, what are we doing? What's happening? (laughs) Yeah. Um, different policy every single day. How do we don, how do we don our PPE safely? Um, actually we, I was talking to one of, um, the other nurses the other night about it. Cause I was trying to think about, Oh, like think about some stories. Let's think about, you know, knowing that I was going to be talking with you mm-hmm. today. Um, there was one shift where we had like a s- influx of, I think we had like three or four admissions overnight and I was the, the daytime charge. Um, and at that time we actually had to like manage the unit. We had two charges. So mm-hmm. we were both like running around like chickens with our heads cut off, trying to support staff, but we had, I think two or three patients get intubated right at shift change. And then um, we had seven different times where we either proned or supined a patient, which requires four four to five people in the room, a lot of coordination. And at that time, you know, the MICU, we... We proned, but very infrequently. We did it for ARDS with like flu or whatever, but gosh, we were not proficient at it. Seeing a patient on their stomach is a very odd (laughs) sight. You're like, like, what is happening? This this doesn't seem right. (laughs) Yeah. Then you walk into COVID, you know, three months ago and it's like half of the unit's on their belly. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I just remember we were literally, my attending came and sat down at the nurse's station with me. Um, and she's like, wonderful, one of my favorites. And she sat down and she goes, what are we doing? Like, what is happening? Because we literally went down the line of the hallway and we're like, okay, who are we proning? Who are we flipping back on their belly? Okay, this patient just got intubated. And I walked eight miles that day on my Apple Watch. I'll literally <laughs> never forget. I was like, oh my gosh, oh. got my cardio in today, but – um, And then right at shift change, we ended up getting an admission from an outside facility, like a smaller hospital in the area with way limited resources. And this Mm -hmm. guy was so sick. He came in with really low O2 sats and we ended up like emergently flipping him at, at like right at shift change. Mm -hmm. And then the following week, um, I was at the bedside. Yay. Love, love, (laughs) love being at the bedside when I, when I finally get to be, um, And I get a phone call saying, like, I'm going to be getting an admission and I'm getting getting report on this patient. And the nurse that's giving me report is like, yeah, we've been having a really hard time getting this guy's oxygen sats above like 80% all day. And he's intubated and sedated. And I was like, 
And they're flying him. Like, they feel okay flying him. And they're like, yeah, they're getting him on the stretcher right now. I think his stat's like 76%. And I was like, (laughs) they better book it. (laughs) I was like, oh, no. Oh, crap. Oh, my God. So I run run in the back and I'm talking to my NP. And I was like, I am very concerned about this patient. And luckily, the flight was super fast. So we were in the room. And they are running him down the hallway. And we finally get him flipped onto the bed pulled over and he was setting 32% when he got there. I was what? Like 30. His PAO2 was 38 on that blood gas. Oh my God. So wait, we were like full, full throttle, tried to get him stabilized. Yeah. And, you know, we worked really hard on him. Luckily, you know, we, I got him through the shift, but you know, it was, it was insane. That was when I was like, this is horrible. This is horrible. I mean, it was yeah. not fun from a oh. – it's it's critical care can be fun, yeah. but in sick ways, right? Like your yeah. patient's not doing well, but you're like in there you're, doing all the things. Mm-hmm. But that was not fun. Yeah. Like that was not – it was like looking at this guy like he was young. Like he was in his 50s, I think. He was around the same age as my parents. I'm like, this shouldn't be happening, yeah. you know? But mm. – that's so insane. Those are the two those are the two that really like stand out to me when I think about like last year with like what what just is like even chaos happening. And, yeah, yeah. And acuity. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was and I was telling one of the um you know, young newer Clin twos at the time, because she was like, These patients are so sick. And I said, I've been an ICU nurse for you know, six years at the time, whatever. This is the sickest unit I have ever seen. When you look down the hallway and every single patient is vented. Yeah. You know, usually some ICU, in your ICUs, you got patients getting ready to go to the floor. You have some like yeah. breaks in acuity. And I was like, yeah. I have never been in a sicker ICU than this ICU. Yeah. So that's wild. That's nuts. That's crazy. Is there, what's like one of the most, well, so before I started in the, before I started in the MICU, I only had mm-hmm. one day in the COVID ICU, but I was mm-hmm. working in the COVID acute care floor, you know, all the time. But there was one day that I got to experience the, the ICU. And um, something that really stuck out to me, I mean, I it, it other than being like a very well-oiled machine, I think by the time that I got mm-hmm. there, I think everybody was, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of like the same day to day, like you have this same type of patients and like, mm-hmm. um, but I remember seeing the wall of pictures of patients mm-hmm. that have, um, it was pictures of patients in clinic for their follow-ups yeah. and they, um, I don't know if the wall has a name, but under the picture, COVID conquerors, COVID conquerors, and yeah. it had the amount, the number of days that they were on the, um, ventilator mm-hmm. or, or ECMO or, Mm -hmm. and I was like, this is such an inspiring wall. Yeah. I mean, is there, there has to be, can you think of a story that was that, or like a situation where you felt like you were, it was rewarding or like Mm -hmm. fulfilling? Yeah. That wall to touch on that. Um, one of actually the same attending that I was talking about a couple of minutes ago, she's one of the, um, docs that sees these patients in clinic. Um, and that was her idea. She was like, I think this would be really helpful for staff members because for us, like 
we get them to, you know, if they survive their acute illness, they go to the acute care side. And then oh, we don't ever discharge patients from the ICU. It's like very, very yeah. rare. Yeah. So we weren't really, see- we were like, yay, they go to acute care, but we weren't really seeing the like after effects of it. And I think a lot of us were struggling and not yeah. knowing like, how are they doing? Right. Um. And so that that was her idea was to to take pictures with patient's permission and and then they've gotten updated. Like there's pictures like behind some I've, of the newer pictures. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Um, seeing the first patient that I ever intubated on that wall, that is probably the most like reward, rewarding or like it's a really – it's hard to explain. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing her up there was – the coolest thing ever because she looks so normal. Yeah. You know, so we, true. that was when, you know, at um, our hospital, we were fortunate where, you know, we had an addition that just got put on to the hospital, like this huge mm-hmm. addition, you know, increasing our bed size by like, I don't even know how many, um, but the units weren't filled yet. So once, you know, we realized we were going to be getting more patients, we actually, moved from like the regular MICU mm-hmm. to a separate unit. Um, but building, before that we were separate, completely separate building. Completely. Oh gosh. It's like completely different buildings. You got to walk them, you know, forever to get back to the the old MICU or <laughs> call it MICU proper. <laughs> um, and when we were on, you know, the MICU trying to take, we had kind of separated our MICU patients from COVID patients. Um, she, my first patient that I helped intubate was on acute care, which they're connected to the regular MICU. Um, and she like completely decompensated right before shift mm-hmm. change on night shift. And I went out and they decided, you know, we weren't sure with the aerosolization of the virus, like, could we safely bring her? We didn't really know what, what we could do. Yeah. So we, I intubated her on the acute care floor. I would helped be, yeah, I helped wow. intubate her and we transported her back to the, to the MICU and I helped prone her that night. And she was my first intubation, my first prone, my first COVID positive patient that I was actually in her room. So seeing her photo up there, yeah. like nothing brings me more joy than seeing that and being like, we can, you know, we can do it. You know, that's gotta be it one of the, hope. it's gotta be one of the hardest things about ICU is that really, I mean, once they're, once they're well, they, you, they leave mm-hmm. or I mean, once they're not sick enough to be in the ICU, they leave. Mm-hmm. You really don't get to, I mean, acute care, we kind of see that, but in, not in the same, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like we'll see like, you know, people with chronic diseases or like spinal cord injuries, you know, or something like they, they come so fret or strokes, you know, mm-hmm. they come so deconditioned and debilitated and then they go off to rehab and you never see them again, you know, mm-hmm. unless they, you know, come walking back up on the unit and they're normal and you're like, oh my yeah. God. But, you know, that's, yeah, that's one of the, that's gotta be hard in the ICU, yeah. but it's a trade-off, you know, I mean, right. I I had to think about that, like in, mm-hmm. in transitioning into the ICU, but like mm-hmm. I've worked in rehab, worked in clinics. Mm-hmm. So I see, you know, I saw the other side. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm ready to see the, 
this side now. Yeah. And we get the, we get patients who will come back and visit. Uh, seeing like thank you cards get written. We've had a lot of like family members send us, you know, my, my dad was here six months ago. Mm-hmm. Here's some donuts. Thank you. Like he's doing great. Um, that's awesome. That's cool. Like that's really cool. And um, just hearing how they're doing is, is really wonderful. So yeah. um, one of like our, our patients that was there for quite some time, her, her family got us this plaque as a, like a thank you plaque. And that's up on the COVID conquerors board too. Like our family thanks you so wholeheartedly for taking care of it. It was like such a kind thing to write. And we all saw that we're like, it's like so nice because she was so sick. I was like, not, I didn't think that she would, I was really concerned she wasn't going to make it. Mm-hmm. And she did. And she was back at home thriving. They sent us a really nice letter of how she was doing. So that's, that's awesome. cool. Yeah. It's that's a win. I'm glad that they that there was a need like that need to feel like validated and understand where people like the full the need to come full circle mm-hmm. was acknowledged and identified and mm-hmm. and like you had that resource for the ICU because mm-hmm. I'm sure for, yeah, it was just tough. It was so mm-hmm. tough. Yeah. It's, it's still tough. It's weird. Like now we're seeing younger people come in who haven't been like vaccinated or we haven't really had our like, you know, old grannies and grandpas from the nursing home because they're all vaccinated. So mm. get vaccinated people. <laughs> <laughs> Could go on a soapbox about that, but I won't. Right. <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's been, that's actually the most recent challenge. I think the past probably month or two is seeing how we've had like people in their like twenties and thirties come in and we're like, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. You know, I did. I mean, we were on the COVID unit the other night, but, or the other day, just like walking through mm -hmm. with the orientation coordinator. And I was like, yeah, walking through the unit. And I was like, that guy looks pretty young. Mm -hmm. That guy looks pretty young too. Mm -hmm. Like, like what is so there is like a trend there. I th- I thought yeah. it was that's hmm. yeah. One of um the one of the medical directors. I asked him about that because he does a lot of um like research and he's pretty outspoken in the medical community about and like kind of publicly about um you know COVID. He has like he's been doing like his month like Monday talks um mm. and. He, I asked him, I was like, what is, what's going on? And he was like, no, like it's, it's, we're seeing the trends of like people not, pe- like that people haven't, haven't gotten vaccinated yet coming in because the, all the grant, all the grannies and grandpas got vaccinated in December. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's true. They were first it's great that. that it's opening up for the general public to have, to be afforded that opportunity. Yeah. To hopefully kind of help curb it a little mm-hmm. bit, get some herd immunity. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm so over I know. it. I know. <laughs> we got to get herd immunity for our for our weddings, <laughs> girl. I know. We're both like, COVID brides. COVID brides. COVID Let's brides. go. <laughs> Represent. Yeah. <laughs> Although I I got married last yeah. September, but yeah, like we had our ceremony, but yeah, mm-hmm. I've had to I've had to push back the reception yeah. twice now, and yeah, you've had to push back, you know. Your yeah. wedding twice and so severely downsize. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. It's 
you know, it is what it is. I'm just excited to finally, I'm 30 days out today. Yeah. It, oh my God. Exactly 30. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. That's amazing. So we're excited. We, um, my fiance for like a little background on him, he's an ECMO specialist here. So it's actually been pretty interesting the past year. I've worked with him more than I have in five years, you know, um, He's been on the unit, so I get to see we get to see each other in action, which is pretty cool. But yeah, super fortunate that he gets it, like he sees it, yeah. and he gets it, and um, you know, it wasn't a question when we were pushing our wedding back. Both of those times, it was yeah. like, oh yeah, like we're not doing that. Yeah. Um, well, but- it's like when you're when they see what you go through, all mm-hmm. the you know, it's like I, I, I like struggled with that last year, you know, like trying to, we were trying to figure out if we were going to keep it, if we were going to do it, if we weren't, if we were going to, you know, we were like, it's still in that, you know, like just trying to figure it out. But, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing it, I, I, you know, I just couldn't, I just, I mean, and I'm so happy for, you know, the people that were able Mm -hmm. to like have their day and, you know, I don't like want to, you know, say anything bad about anybody but it's it, I just I couldn't do it and Matt yeah Matt I knew, couldn't either you know Matt saw me come home every day and like the the struggles that like last year had and like being around all of those patients and you know yeah there was there was no question mm-hmm. but I look at my guest list which is like tiny now I think everybody almost everybody is vaccinated and that's cool. Like that's like, that's awesome. That's such a cool feeling, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've I've gotten so many texts from friends that are like, I just want you to know, We're I'm almost taking vaccine today. I'm like, <laughs> you know. And um, my when I got my vaccine right before Christmas, um, that was I think the first mm-hmm. time that I actually like put on social media anything about. I'm usually a pretty like happy person. I feel like when I, you know. I'm on my Instagram and stuff. I'm like, this is not a, I don't like to be negative on here. Like I want people to, there's enough negativity in the world. Like I'm not going to get it from me, but I felt just so like empowered to just speak how I felt and how the year had gone or the Mm -hmm. six months had gone, whatever, because there was so much question about the vaccine. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to be real. I'm going to do a real post about Mm -hmm. what I have seen. Um, I did the same thing. And my response to it was like, I was worried. I was like, oh, is this people going to be negative on here? Are they going to say? And I I was so humbled by people's response to that and reaching out to me and checking in and just yeah. thanking me and, you know, nurses and healthcare workers and respiratory therapists and just our techs and just like people just thanking us for everything we've done. I'm like, Okay, that was a, that was the right thing to do because yeah. I was I started crying when I got vaccinated. My one of my coworkers vaccinated me. I saw her at the clinic that day, and I was like, "Oh, oh can I <laughs> like give it here, full circle, yeah, right, <laughs> right here." <laughs> um, you. And I just I like started crying. I was like, "Oh my gosh, like this is a light. Yeah, this is a a light that I think we all needed." I felt know? the same way. I felt really like a weight. After the mm-hmm. first one, just felt mm-hmm. like very hopeful, like, okay, mm-hmm. we could get be out of this, mm-hmm. you know, like we've just been living it for so, mm-hmm. so many months 
And like, that was the first day in so long that I was like, yeah, this actually will end at some Maybe. point. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> One uh, can hope. <laughs> yeah, right. It will. It will end. Mm-hmm. It will end. Mm-hmm. Knock on wood. Yeah. I think it's always going to, something about it's always going to be there in medicine, right? Like there's always going to be, but like, I guess we just have to learn to live with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. However we can. <laughs> I wanted to talk about a interesting conversation that I had with the orientation coordinator mm-hmm. um, the the first week that I came into the MICU. Um, and it was, that day it was, it was me. It's another girl that um, is also an experienced nurse or three it was three of us that were experienced, and then there was one um, tech, and we were all coming to the MICU. And Nicole, her name is Nicole. She was, you know, just kind of going through like what to expect with the with the MICU, and um, she had a really um, transparent, very really necessary conversation about um, the amount of death that we're mm-hmm. going to see on the unit, and. I, I mean, I should have known that that conversation was coming, but I I was like so appreciative that she did have that conversation with mm-hmm. us, and she was pretty much like, "This you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of death, mm-hmm. and you have to find a way to well, you have to find somebody to talk to. It doesn't need to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. Doesn't need to be your, you know, significant other. It doesn't, but just somebody that you can, you know, use or in your toolkit, you know, to have some type of resiliency. Um, and I, it, it was definitely an eye opening conversation. And I wanted to ask you, like, do you feel like you've kind of acquired that skill set of resiliency or do you feel like you still struggle with the amount of mortality that you see in the MICU? Yeah. uh, I'm glad Nicole was blunt about that. She's Mm -hmm. like, it's necessary. It's, you can't really sugarcoat that. Um, I, as a new grad, I was not ready. I did not realize what type of unit I was stepping into. I thought it was a really cool unit. I thought I was going to learn a lot, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, right? Like you see Mm -hmm. so much. Um, but it took, it took some time. Um, I had my first patient pass when I was on orientation and um, that was a very hard day. And I was really lucky because, well, one of your friends from nursing school, Kelsey, was living with me at the time. And I remember texting her that day saying like, my patient died today. And I came home to like, and I will never forget this. um, I still have the note actually. Like I, she left, she wrote a note and she was working night shift that night and she left me a note and um, a bracelet. And it was a compass bracelet. And she wrote me like such a kind note saying like, you know, it's okay. Like this is the first, but like you've been guided into this into this role for a reason. And yeah. I like that, I don't know if Kelsey remembers this, Kelsey, if you're listening. Like <laughs> I like, I still, I still think about that. Like I think you're placed in positions in your life where like you're supposed to be that person for someone and like yeah it took it took a I won't lie to you it took a solid two years and I think that's because I was a new grad and like you mm-hmm. go through a lot in that transition phase as a new graduate nurse where you have to learn so much in such a short period of time and mm-hmm. you know balance that and 
being in the real world. But um, I, I, it, I bring, I go back to that um, where there is so much death on that unit. And I saw, I think sometimes the death doesn't bother me. It's the prolongation of life where should we be doing this? And when we mm. think about like futility of care and like, is this right? Should yeah. we offer, you have all these things to offer. You have a you know, a big platter of things, right? You know, mm-hmm. we can keep people alive, but it always begs the question of should we? Is this yeah. right? Is this, you know, um, is this right for this patient? Um, yeah. And I think learning that and being, I think I'm okay. I I have become okay with death because it is, it is better for the patients to be able to die with some sort of dignity than to be like pressing on their chest and, mm-hmm. you know, um, learning that and being okay with families coming to that realization, helping them come to that realization. Yeah. And I think, I think about that compass, like I'm supposed to be here to help talk to these family members and loved ones and know that like, this is not just like my patient. This is not just a person with a breathing tube in you know, lying in the bed. Like this is someone's mother, father, grandfather, brother, and trying to, with a small piece of myself, put myself in their position to be able to help guide them to make a decision that is heart-wrenching for people, especially Mm -hmm. if they've never had those conversations with with family members before. And then it has made me be able to have these challenging conversations with my own parents and yeah. Talking about my grandparents and what is what is right for or the not the right way to die, but how to be able to give somebody's death some dignity. Yeah. Um, and that is I think finding in within yourself to become okay with that. Um, I have an easier time with that than I do when I'm like looking at this patient and the family's like, they're gonna be okay. Like we're gonna, we're gonna keep going. And I'm like, I have a harder time, yeah, dealing with that than that's such a, patient, a family it's members. Such an incredible skill to have to have mm-hmm. those incredibly difficult conversations mm-hmm. with people. It's an incredible mm-hmm. thing, Sam, to yeah, have that. You know, I mean i i I feel fulfilled with end of life patients. I think mm-hmm. in the same way that I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't mind death because I know that I can be very therapeutic and Mm -hmm. I can be the right person for that patient and their family during that time. I know that I can help them through that process. Mm -hmm. So death, I mean, I'm just, that's my role. I'm the nurse in that. I'm Mm -hmm. not inserting myself into how they feel in that moment. That's not what what my job is. My job is to facilitate this process. Yeah. And, um, you know, so some of the, like those patients have been very fulfilling, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a a big change to Mm -hmm. be in the initial conversations of, of that. I mean, that's, yeah. I can't even and think about <laughs> think it's about hard being and that person. I learned a lot just by listening and watching my my peers and some of my mentors on the unit how to go about saying things delicately firm is how I like to think of it yeah. because you have to be firm with what you're saying but you also have to be compassionate. 
Um, and you know, it's, it's hard, but I think you just have to be able to cry, right? Like I cry with family members. Like I will, I will cry with them. Not like boohoo cry, but like show that I am like human. Mm -hmm. I'm not just coming in here and being like, nope, we have to do this, 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 and this. Like showing that compassion side, I think does go a long way with family members remembering that you see their person at like their loved one in a bed Mm -hmm. as their loved one and not just a, just a patient. Mm -hmm. Um, but then when you kind of like, when you leave work and like Nicole was saying, you're trying to find how you, how you deal with that. I think, um, some of the best ways I can decompress that is like going on a nice long walk. Um, it's tough in between shifts because you want to like go to bed and not be able to, um, Sometimes just zoning out on trash TV, it sounds so silly. Real Housewives, <laughs> like, and it's just, it's, you can just kind of like zen, like zen yourself and just like not think about anything. Um, mm-hmm. And then a good long cry in the shower and a phone call to like my mom really helps, you know, don't tell many details, but just, it was a hard day, mom. Like it was, yeah, you know, like HIPAA, but like, you know, just like, very vague. Like it was just a really, really hard day. Yeah. Um, and she has no idea. My mom does, you know, she's, she works in, she works for Hasbro toy company. So she sees a lot of joy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, just having somebody who no matter what will listen to just whatever I have to say. And, you know, the best people are to talk to some of our coworkers, you know, when we go out for like wine days and for sure, that is sometimes the the best is just being able to talk about those experiences. But I try to think about it. I take that. I release all of like my frustration, my sadness, my whatever about the situation. And then I put it in my box and I tie a nice bow on it and I just kind of put it on the shelf. Yeah. And sometimes the whole shelf gets cleared. Like I am like boohoo crying. Like this job is so hard. That's very rare, I think. Yeah. But I just have to put it in a place where like, when I look back at things like it's okay and Mm -hmm. it has to be okay. Otherwise I don't think I'd be able to function in this job. Um, and it's not, it definitely isn't for everybody, but like I'll help you find tools. We'll, we'll, we'll be okay. We'll take our dogs on walks, you know, right. You know, nine times out of 10, it is okay. And there's always that like one, 1% where there's something really crummy happens and, some of you know, I've gotten phone calls from some of my coworkers and like, I need to just like vent about this situation and just like yeah. hear that, like what I did was okay. Or mm-hmm. how should we go about doing? I think problem solving situations is also super therapeutic Yeah, for nurses. For sure. General. Like just like talking problem through solvers. exactly what, mm-hmm. you know, what happened. Yeah, absolutely. But I think like, end of life stuff like that we could go on a whole other podcast about this, Maggie, but yeah, um, it's, it's tough and it's tough to, to work through, but you got me in your corner. We, we will <laughs> work through it together. You know? Um, yeah. It's, I I'm think not, the day I'm that it becomes worried. easy is the day that it is time to leave the ICU. And that is what I've been told for years mm. is by one of like, one of my preceptors who's been a bedside nurse for 30 years. And I hold her to such a high, you know, admiration with how 
she is one of the best bedside nurses I've ever seen. Just the, her compassion and um, how she just treats patients with such dignity. Um, she has said that to me. The day that this job becomes easy, seeing some seeing this happen, and that's that's when you know it's it's time to bid it farewell. Mm-hmm. And I think about that when there's hard days, when I'm upset. I'm like, well, I'm human, <laughs> and this is and this meant yeah. something to me. This this family, yeah. this patient, they meant something not only to me but to so many other people. So like, if you don't mourn that, yeah, then it's it's then time to to step out and to leave because you're not yeah. doing anybody any good, including yourself, but especially your patients. That's so true, and I believe that like wholeheartedly. Yeah, that's great food for mm-hmm. thought. That's a great thing to put in the back of my head, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. If you if you knew. If we knew what we knew now, like <laughs> before nursing school, before yeah. COVID, before last year, mm-hmm. that you would go through the things that you have in your career in this past year, do you think you would make the decision again to pursue this path? I think so. Um, I think if you had asked me six months ago when I was in a little bit of a tougher headspace, I would have questioned it. Um, and that's okay. But... um I think like I was always meant to do this job um, and that like it brings a lot forward a lot of emotions when you think about that. But like I've had the privilege of caring for some wonderful people and wonderful family members and even with COVID um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. I mean, like I would change last year. I would really yeah. like for that to not happen. But when I think about my career, um, as a bedside nurse, like I've been afforded some pretty incredible opportunities in taking care of patients and family members and meeting coworkers and getting to know people that it's, it's been so hard, but, um, I'm very proud of what I do. I feel it. (laughs) It's in here. Deep in here. Born born to do this. Yeah, I mean, but you are, but I mean, so many people can't do the work that you do, and you do it so well. I mean, just in the last like you know few days that I've seen you, I'm so excited to like learn from you. You know, thanks, Maggie. It's gonna be good. We're gonna we're gonna have a good time. Yeah, I'm excited for phase two. That's how we break up orientations. Like phase one, kind of like kind of easing, sort of into things, quote unquote. Yeah, but phase two, it's when we get to go deep in critical care and like. I yeah. freaking love critical care. It's so interesting. So I'm excited to, I'm so excited to learn even just yeah. today. I mean, I was doing like basic EKG rhythm strip yeah. stuff and like, there's so many things that you just don't have time to like delve into and look into in acute care. But like mm-hmm. today it's like, okay, like, you know, you look at their spiked T wave and it could be like hyperkalemia so your mm-hmm. renal patients that haven't been to dialysis like that's probably what their EKG is going to look like or like Big just Mickey population too <laughs> yeah it's just I was like this is so like I can look at a strip and be like okay this is this is what the rhythm is and I know why mm-hmm. you know this like one piece of the EKG strip is the way it is because mm-hmm. of this lab like yeah it's, I'm so excited for that. I'm so it's excited fun. to like be able to like really critically think mm-hmm. and like work, focus on like one or two people and have, you know, a great team and 
like get to work with physicians closely and, you know, be respected all around and work with some very, very intelligent minds. Yeah. Oh my God. I love listening to some of them talk. And sometimes it rounds, I'm like, dude, I have so much work I got to do. Can we just like, (laughs) we got to go. But you know, there are some days I'm like, oh God, that's so cool. Like that's so interesting. So that's fun when we work days together. You like want them to hurry up, but also you're like, wait, but this is very interesting. (laughs) When they like start really like assessing like the chest x-rays, there's a couple of attendings that like they take a literal year and a half to round, but then they start like just like completely dissecting like this chest x-ray and you're like it just looks like you know they're fluffy or they have atelectasis (laughs) right they're like but why like where like what's happening here and like why is what is that showing here one of our attendings likes to draw on all of our glass doors but it's cool you're like oh yeah making a mess of everything but it's but it is it's really it's it's fun we're gonna have we'll have a good we'll have a good time yeah i'm so excited yay i think this is a good place to stop. But yeah. Thank you so much for yeah. coming on today. I'm so happy that this we was were so able much to fun. do this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Max. This Absolutely. was so great. And I will see. When do we work next? Wednesday? Yeah, next, next week. Yeah. yeah. All right, girl. I'll see you at work. Okay. See you soon. Bye. us to the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in to Nursing Uncharted. To learn more about today's episode, make sure to explore the show notes at americanmobile.com slash nursinguncharted. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a guest. If you're a nurse interested in traveling, visit americanmobile.com to explore the largest database of travel nursing jobs in the industry and the amazing benefits that American Mobile has to offer. Also, a special thanks to producer Jonathan Carey, assistant producers Katie Schrauben and Sam McKay, and Aiden Dykes for the music and editing. Until next time, take care of yourself.